to Cinema Fino. Hi. It's good to have you guys with us. Howdy. We got SJ, TB, and I'm TW. That's us. In that order. Um, we'll continue on Never Seen series. John, Travis. <laughs> I was getting to that. Was that reverse chronological order? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're doing our Never Seen series. Um, this is our penultimate episode of the main series. We still have Lawrence of Arabia and then a special episode of Train to Busan, which we will do afterwards. Um, but Where is Busan? That's a good question. I need to consult. Hey, I haven't watched the movie yet, so hey. <laughs> we, I need to consult Wikipedia, figure that out <laughs> before we watch that movie. Um, it's all scatological. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gross. <laughs> so we uh, are drinking wines. I'm picking stuff that I have never tried, like bottles that I don't know anything about. Like last week we did Duaro, which I've had Duaros before, but never that particular one. Duaro. This week is a Spanish Monastrell. This is Tarima. Um, again, had Monastrells, but I've never had this one. I've never seen this label. Don't know anything about this wine. So this is a new bottle of wine. What, what is a Monastrell? That's going to be another varietal, kind of a medium-bodied, you commonly seen it blended with other Spanish grapes. So it's part of a, you know, a balanced it, If I may wine. add a tasting note, this uh, tastes very grapey. Oh, nice. This tastes, like, really grapey. Very fruit-forward, which is... Oh, I thought you said grapey. Cr- mm. Or it tastes like crap. Or grapey. Which I'm down for some crepes anytime. Yeah. Wrong, wrong country. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. Is, is tapas. Wine. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, we, my wife and I did Spain and France for our honeymoon. So uh, we did five days in Paris and we definitely had a lot of crepes while we were there. Mm. That was kind of a new experience. I don't know a lot about crepes, but we we definitely uh, we had some crepes. Kept it on the down low. Very, mm. very, very thin pancakes. Mm-hmm. I like a good flan. Yeah. I like a flan. Is, flan is... Spanish? Mexican. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I think it's a Mexican custard. Uh, I mean... I, don't I, put me on the spot. I just know words. Yeah. I mean, I, you're going to bring out flan. I want you to know about flan. Wow. I've had flan, but I can't tell if it was good flan or bad flan. It was just flan. <laughs> it just was. Interesting. So, uh, <laughs> we are going to talk about uh, Casablanca. This is... Um, Do you think they have flan in Casablanca? I don't know. In, in this movie, I don't know if it, what they live on there. Moroccan flan? Yeah. Hmm. They, they, it's pretty lean time. Well, Rockin' Flan is a band name. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's that's on serious XMU on regular rotation. You know, it's like, I'm your DJ, and that was Moroccan Flan. <laughs> and, and yeah, my DJ sounds like the Carl's Jr. guy. So I like this. This movie started out with give you a little, uh, a little geography, <laughs> let you know where it goes. Yeah, yeah, really, really showed you, like, okay, just for you ignorant Americans, yes. this is what Casablanca Oh, yeah, I needed mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was a great like opening sequence, kind of let, sets everything up perfectly. Um, and as I've said before, this is a, a perfect movie for me. This is like on a short list of perfect movies, like where it's like, for what it is, it's flawless. You know, it's it's, and we haven't done a lot of those like top tiers. We're we'll, doing, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we're doing one this week, and we're doing one next week. Uh, and actually, going back and rewatching Lawrence of Arabia, it's not quite as perfect as I put it put it up to be as a kid, but it's still damn close. That's um, because you're different now, Todd. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's like society's different. We'll get to that. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, but some background on this movie. This was released. You wanted on- more CGI in Lawrence Arabia. We fucking get it. <laughs> Goddamn prude. Yeah. <laughs> I just wish there was more boobs mm-hmm. in Lawrence of Arabia. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what they do in Family Guy? He watches. Uh, he tapes over. Um, God, Citizen Kane. He goes. It was a sled. Yeah, saved you two boobless hours. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not wrong. Which is kind of the perfect. True. Yeah. <laughs> perfect review. No notes. 
No nuts. Two boobless hours. So this was released. How I feel about coming to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well put. <laughs> well put. Um, this was released November 26, 1942. Uh, World War II was absolutely raging at this time. This was peak WW2. Uh, this won Academy Awards for Best Picture, Best Director, and Screenplay. Uh, this was co-written by twin brothers, Julius and Philip Epstein, and Howard Koch. Um, I would put this alongside uh, the Mount Rushmore of, like, Wizard of Oz and The Godfather for, like, the peak of... It's a weird Wizard of Oz, or it's a weird Mount Rushmore. Well, and it's like, I talk about this later, like, I don't like the word iconic. I hate, I, don't, I try not to put it in my reviews if I can help it. It's an overused word that people, like, oftentimes don't fully understand what it means. Beyonce. That's it's easy for me. She's an <laughs> icon. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I'll give you that. But to me, like in in movies, I would de- define iconic as like if like Wizard of Oz. If you put that on, if it pops up on the TV, no matter where it is in the movie, and really, if you haven't even seen it, you still know the movie. Like you know what's going on. You know the quotes from it. It's it's been so quoted and referenced and lampooned and mm-hmm. yeah. It's been done to death. It's so big in, in our culture. It's like The Godfather. You know, if you see a scene from The Godfather, it's like, oh, I think this is The Godfather. Even if you've never seen it, mm-hmm. you could probably quote lines from it. And that's to me, is the definition of an iconic. It's a cultural icon. And Casablanca is the same way. You know, it's like you see Humphrey Bogart, Lorne, and uh, Inger Bergman on the runway, you know, at the end in the fog. It's like you, that, that's iconic in movies. Yep. So... Um, this is one of the very first movies selected for preservation by the Library of Congress, and it appeared in the original AFI Top 100 at number two and at number three in the 2007. Um, what was number one and then number two? Number one was Citizen Kane. I believe number two was The Godfather. <laughs> Fucking slut. Yeah. <laughs> two boobless hours. <laughs> yeah. How many movies in the AFI Top 100 have titties? <laughs> Not a lot. There's a few. But not that's, a lot. The, like, that's the Travis A. Yeah, one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's going to be the the tits one hundred. Yeah, my, number one, Wild Things. Yeah. <laughs> well, number two, Wild Things. Number one from Dustle Dawn. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> it's got vampires, vampires and boobs. <laughs> Winning combination. Uh, yeah. And Cheech. Yeah. Yeah. Who apparently has a thing for pussy. Yep. Pussy. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, this is the highest rated movie we've ever done for this podcast. This is officially the highest ranked. Highest rated. On AFI, highest ranked. Mm, okay. Rotten Tomatoes, highest everything. We've never done a movie with this much acclaim. <laughs> um, and this obviously has a very familiar plot, but I'll give it a quick run through. Uh, it takes place in Casablanca, Morocco. Uh, it's set in the early days of World War II. The movie takes place before the United States gets involved. So the United States is still, I mean, it's obviously meant to be right before Pearl Harbor because Humphrey Bogart says it's like it's December 1941. I bet they're sleeping in America. So obviously Pearl Harbor is about to happen, but it hadn't happened yet. So the United States is not, it's not neutral, but it's not involved. You know, we're actively helping the British at this point, but we're not directly fighting yet. Um, and just like that, that it mirrors hum, uh, Humphrey Bogart as Rick Blaine. He is... Not neutral, but he's not directly involved in anything as the movie goes on until the very end, so which mirrors the United States. So it's like we, you know, at that point, we were just about to get involved in the war. This movie did make me get into a conversation with Jonah about, like, uh, World War II dates in history, and mm-hmm. I, had, I had to dig deep into my, my knowledge. <laughs> and it's always good when you can go down deep into the, you know, into the basement of your knowledge and bust it out. 
Well, when did they start making this movie? Because this came out in 42. Came out in 42. Based in 40, or set in 41. Yeah. And it was filmed in early 42. Okay. But it was written. So they knew they were at war. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But it worked better in the story if they weren't yet at war because it would more fit like the Rick Blaine character. It would explain his neutrality a little more of like, well, my country's not involved yet. So, you know, I I can hang back and own this bar. But they are talking about possibly invading New York. Yeah, and he has a great line where he's like, there's parts of New York I wouldn't recommend you try and invade. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, look at the Warriors. It's like, <laughs> you, shit, yeah. You're going to have a bunch Baseball of Furies would knock out a bunch of Nazis. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, I think the Orphans would knock out some of them. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> um, so uh, Rick owns a bar, um, kind of a neutral watering hole, which, which attracts people of all nationalities. I was trying to classify it. It's not quite a bar. Yeah. It's, it's like a... They call it a saloon. But club. It, yeah. It, it, but it looks pretty upscale. It's nice. It's got, mm-hmm. you know, great got music. Casino. And, yeah, it's well run. I mean, yeah, it's got a lot of space. Um, that so, safe isn't very well guarded. No. <laughs> not hidden. No. And uh, if I'm, like, looking for those letters of transit in the movie, that, his piano is the first place I'm going to look for it. Right. I'm going to look and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to crack that thing open. Spot. First, first thing I'm going to do. That's hide it in plain sight, in my mm. opinion. Um, but basically, Rick is running a saloon. Um, he has, before the events of the film, escaped from Paris to Casablanca, opened a saloon with his buddy Sam, who's a piano player, and he doesn't drink with his customers. He kind of stays aloof, stays back. No one really gets to know him. He has a lot to hide. And then all that kind of gets shaken up when Ilsa, played by Ingrid Bergman, walks in with her husband, Victor Laszlo, who is a world-renowned freedom fighter. Uh, her appearance forces Rick to confront his conscience, um, his social and political conscience, his uh, feelings for Ilsa, and really his own, like, cynical shell. He has to basically confront everything about himself when she reappears and, at the very least, make peace with some bad memories that he has of their situation. Um, film has some legendary supporting characters, including Peter Lorre as Ugarte, who's kind of the underworld guy who does the uh, Letters of Transit. Uh, he, is a, he was also in the Maltese Falcon. He's in tons of movies of that time period. Legendary character actor. Also, like, spoofed on Looney Tunes. Uh, tons. A lot. Because yeah. that's the, primarily how I know him. When, <laughs> yep. when I saw him for the first time, I was like, oh, my God. Him and Humphrey real? Bogart yeah. are oh, yeah. very much lampooned by Looney Tunes. Yes. Um, but then you have Sidney Greenstreet, who's also in tons of movies. He is the... Um, uh, rotund bar owner um, and uh, Ferrari Ferrari at the Blue Parrot I believe is what's called the Blue Parrot mm-hmm. and then Claude Rains who plays is the Invisible Man yeah sorry <laughs> I saw Rocky Horror Fun. Picture Show <laughs> uh, Claude Rains as Inspector Menol who is the shady uh, kind of duplicitous chief of police in the film and uh, I recognized him from as uh, what Lawrence Talbot's dad in The Wolfman that's where I because I had seen The Wolfman several times, and I always recognized him from that. And he is also in Lawrence of Arabia, the movie we're watching next week. Um, so, yeah, and he has the movies, another iconic line, which is round up the usual suspects from the, the end of the film. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm curious to see it. So, which one of you guys, had either of you guys seen this? I had I've not seen it. seen it. You, you hadn't seen it, so I want to hear I had your, seen it once. I want to hear your thoughts. Um, oh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was okay. Mm-hmm. Um... Man, I don't know. It, and it has been lampooned a ton. It's been done to death. Yeah. Um, I've heard half the lines of the movie before I even seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It just like some of the acting was a little rushed. It felt very much like a movie from the 1940s. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, it kind of had like that, what was like pre golden age Hollywood. It was like a little bit before that. I don't know. It, it didn't have quite as much polish on it. And I, I can see why it was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it, kind of is stuck and it hasn't really like aged with other movies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, like some of the other movies that we watched as part of this exercise, you know, we watched like, um, Chinatown. Mm-hmm. I, I was going into Chinatown with like no expectations. I, you know, I knew about it. I thought that movie was awesome. Like yeah. it aged really well. It was really well done and it was like darker than movies were at that time. This one felt like a movie from the 1940s. Yeah. You know, it felt like, Okay, yeah, this is almost like a little little propaganda like mm-hmm. kind of time frame. It was almost a little like, oh, you've got like the the bad guy Nazis and you've got the you know, the good guy handsome, he's in a white tux and he's just drinking and smoking cigarettes and mm-hmm. you know, he's he's easy to love. I mean, there wasn't a lot of depth and complexity to it other than the story of, you know, oh, where's the papers? Oh, who's who's he going to give them to? Oh, he he, you know, isn't going to give them to her because he doesn't love her. And, yeah. you know, um, I can see why it has such an iconic, like, place in history. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like it's fallen a little bit behind with where we are in movies. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But I enjoyed it. I mean, I would I would give it probably, like, a seven. Um, not going to go out of my way to rewatch it. Yeah. But again, it's it's one that I've practically seen all the way through through some Looney Tunes, you know, <laughs> versions of it a million times. I just never got the references. A million spoofs. Million spoofs, and mm-hmm. all the lines. I, I heard them, and I was like, "Yep, I've heard that line before." Yeah, it's some, like tropes that have been done over and over because of that movie. Yeah. Someday, are people going to go back and like in a podcast and future generation look at Star Wars and be like, "God, this it's been overdone." Yeah, all they're going to be crap. like. Honestly, I think we could go back and watch it now and just be like, this has been overdone. It's just cliche, you know, it's mm-hmm. all these, you know. Oh, he has a sword yeah. made of light? Fucking dumb. Yeah. We get it. <laughs> we, we get it. <laughs> um, so, Trav? Uh, I give this a 10. I only saw this movie for the first time uh, maybe two, three years ago. Um, and I watched it on our, our nice little OETA mm-hmm. uh, late night movies after getting off from the ranch one night yeah. at our liquor store. Um, and, uh, yeah, it it was interesting. I, I I saw it through that first time, and I was like, oh, all right, sweet. They said all the lines. I said, And same thing with Sean, the, all the Looney Tunes <laughs> references. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, so that's where this came from. All right. Yeah. I knew some of the lines. Um but this time, watching it through the second time, I liked it so much more. And I'm like, all right, yeah, this feels more familiar. I'm getting into the groove. And I just dug it. It was kind of like uh, going to uh, go see your, your favorite band, and then they were playing, like, all your favorite songs. Playing all the hits. And I was yeah. like, that's Taylor Swift. Yes. She's playing all the good ones. All right. Yeah. I remember that line. Oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> that line, too. Mm-hmm. And this guy, oh, I forgot. Oh, yeah, I forgot Peter Lorre was in it. So um, Hugh Lorre was in this? Hugh Laurie. Yeah. Peter Peter Gunn. Mm-hmm. Peter Laurie. Which, you know, Casablanca is the White House. He's, you know, Hugh Laurie is the White House. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I get I'll it. Do. I'm sticking I with that it. one. Yep. I'm, I'm letting that one stay. <laughs> um, but yeah, watching it again, it's the, the thing I, I, I like about uh, film is that it's, it's like a time capsule. Like, yeah, it doesn't, you know, 
stand up to today's standards and it's probably dated, but I, I watch a lot of those old like universal horror movies and old like King Kong and, and uh, Godzilla movies and shit like that. So I like the, the snapshot. I see what you're saying that it's, it's, you know, it's kind of rote at this point, but Ooh, rote, rote, great word. Rote. Uh, but I, I dug it. I, I don't know. You, I think you need to watch it again. Give could, it. It, it could mean, need a second watch. Yeah. You know, give it give it two or three years. But I enjoyed it when it was on OETA. I you, enjoyed it even more. The do you enjoy it for itself or for what it is? Uh, I enjoy. I enjoy it for itself. Like I, I, I enjoy hearing, you know, the the keywords, the key lines, the here's looking at you kid, all that. But I do like Okay, he says that like four fucking times right. for the record. Yeah. I but thought I, he only said that like once four goddamn times. No. But knowing I guess watching it and then kind of realizing what he does at the end, the second rewatch is me knowing how the movie ends and being like, ah, I see how he's going like how he's thinking ahead of everybody else and how he's already made his decision and kind of where I think I can see in the film. I'm like, all right, does he make the decision to let them go and make both of them here? Like, you know, cause they do those long pauses where he's sitting or he's thinking or he's, you know, drinking or whatever. And I'm, I don't know. I, I during a second rewatch, I'm like, Oh, I'm in on the, I, I'm, I'm in on the caper. I just need to see where, he decides to set it up. So I guess maybe that would enhance my enjoyability the second time around. But once it got to the end, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is fucking golden. I, yeah. I get it. I'm here's Here comes the pitch. There's the swing. Love it. Yeah. Um, now, I will say it's it's ahead of its time. Like, it's it's definitely better than other movies that would have come out in 1942. Oh, big time. And the yeah. Nazi gets killed at the end. And a Nazi gets killed at yeah. the end, which is great. Everyone loves killing Nazis. Yeah, yeah. it's great. And as propaganda goes, this one, for the propaganda of the time, this is pretty mild. Like, if you yes. look at stuff that was coming out, or even stuff like... Ham-fisted propaganda. With Looney Tunes and uh, Disney, mm. their stuff was heavy. Oh, Donald Duck straight up, like, went to war. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, shell shock. It was really depressing. Yeah. <laughs> you ever see the cartoon where he, like, has a dream that he's a Nazi or he's living in Nazi Germany and he's having, like, build, like, Nazi bullets? <laughs> it's, it's a very strange cartoon. Yeah, because he like wakes up and he, he's in America and he's like super happy, mm-hmm. um, but his alarm goes off and he starts like <laughs> doing doing the Hitler salute. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah, go back and watch it. <laughs> I know that they were trying to pull a lot of that stuff now for it being problematic. You know, like but see that time capsule. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's I think Disney I like did the... a good job of of yeah putting like disclaimers at the beginning that was just like. We know this is problematic, but this is endemic of its time, and we want to show that it's yeah. They you know, definitely don't have Song of the South on Disney Plus. No, we can't find that anywhere. No. Um, but so you're you're ten, solid ten. I'm a ten. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't know if I would have given it a ten the first time I had watched it, um, but yeah, the second time enhanced my enjoyment. Yeah. Because I think the second time you can more watch it as a pure movie mm-hmm. as opposed to like the heavily quoted iconic like. The tropes. Yeah. You can I, I probably would have given it an time. eight if I, like, the, the last time I watched it, I, I it would have been an eight. But, yeah, this time I'm on board. Yeah. I mean, I can listen to Steely Dan's Asia and, like, it's nothing but hits. <laughs> I still enjoy it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Never was a Steely Dan fan. They just never. Really? They, they never hooked me. Huh. Just because they have a song called Peg. <laughs> <laughs> they have a song called. 
Never going to do it without the Fez on. <laughs> do they also Touché. do lap dance is always better when the stripper's crying? Yes. <laughs> nope. That's sublime. That was, Never mind. That was Kid Rock. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, this is obviously a 10. Um, I, if if I didn't give this movie five out of five stars, I couldn't. You would lose your, your critic license. I couldn't give any right? movie ever. You'd be kicked out of the critic guild. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would lose my, my T-shirt. You know, I'd have to give up my badge and my gun. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is probably top 20 movies of all time for me. Not quite top 10, but it's definitely top 20. Um, people, but how often do you rewatch it? Like, I, I know you've got your top films, but like, what's what are your go tos? Like, I've probably seen this movie fifteen times. I would guess. Yeah, I see. Wow, I'm, this dates back to like middle school. Oh, I yeah. got serious about being a movie like buff. Um, well, Todd going to the movie. movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I want to rent Casablanca again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I watched this quite I'm on my old VHS. I've got this on VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. So there you go. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do you have it on LaserDisc? Uh, no, I don't have it on uh, Betamax, any of those. Shame. Yeah, I went mainstream. See, you were watching that. HD I was, DVD? <laughs> I was recording uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla on uh, <laughs> Super Scary Secret Saturdays <laughs> back in the day. You're, and you're, re-watching re- that over and over. You are recording all about the Benjamins mm-hmm. on, on MTV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking kid. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, I mean, everything about this movie, uh, to me, like you said, it's just a, it's a grand slam of a movie. It's like the performances, it's like Humphrey Bogart was the movie star of the, that time period. Oh yeah. That, it's not these... sexy. No. no. And that's the irony of it. And it's like, he, he was the tough, like toughest nails. He was, the, he was the founder of the Rat Pack. He was the original like leader of the Rat Pack. Sinatra and all those guys like worshiped him. But yeah, I, I get that some of this, like, he's not playing Rick whatever. Like, he's playing, he's Humphrey Bogart. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he's he's bigger than the role that he's playing. Yeah. And I, I, I get it. That's, you know, uh, Ocean's Eleven, the remake, did a really good job of, of getting that kind of feel, that energy down that these were, you know, it's Brad Pitt and George Clooney, and they're just kind of winking at you and just, yeah. like, saying lines and strutting around. And, mm-hmm. You know, we get it. But I dug it. I don't know. There was something... Hey, they can know, wink at me anytime they want. Hollywood, I guess, <laughs> yeah. about it, and then and Matt Damon is the the new kid on the block, and mm-hmm. you know, so it's just them. It's just kind of a wink yeah. at, at, at the audience, like, "Hey, I'm playing this," but you know, yeah, we're we're friends, you know, me. you, you mm-hmm. know me, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, I'm I'm here, yeah. I'm helping you out. Here I am. And this and Maltese Falcon were two of his early movies that that made him like a worldwide star. And yeah, like you say, you see, he's got that kind of movie star, that sort of self assured like. It doesn't even seem like he's acting. You know, he just, it's Humphrey Bogart. But see, it, I would say in the same time period, Jimmy Stewart, like he's the Tom Hanks of that generation. Absolutely, like he's, yeah. He, you're like, oh man, it's Jimmy. But then he becomes the the roles that he plays. Yeah. Do, you, do you know the age difference between uh, Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman? It's quite a bit. 16 years. Because yeah. Yeah, Humphrey Bogart was already around 40 at this time. And he'd been acting for a good long while when this he came out. He was... Like forty three, I think. Yeah. Because I think I saw he was born in eighteen ninety nine. Yeah. And he did not live a whole lot longer after this. He died in the mid fifties, I believe. Um, he said, "Age ain't nothing but a." That's like a solid fifteen more years. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, considering like he was, he died. I think of lung cancer. I mean, obviously, as you've seen, he lived a hard life. I mean, he, he partied hard. <laughs> he looked like a rough forty three. Yeah. 
he he drank and chain smoked and I believe died of lung cancer. I could be wrong, but I mean he he was definitely he he was a very old fifty five or six or however old he was when he died. How long did they date in Paris? They don't really allow, they like don't they really were. Say. It was real tricky with the censorship of the time of like what they could tell you, like because when they was banging, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm just saying and they don't even explicitly say that they had sex. Elsa, they imply it, but Elsa shows up and doesn't recognize Sam. I'm like, well, that's a little racist. Like, <laughs> I recognize that piano player. No, no, no. She calls him a boy. That's fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, obviously, unfortunately, that was also yes. the time. And yeah, where the fuck was the disclaimer? And that? and it's yeah. like if HBO. you if you watch like other movies at the time. Again, this is mild and like it's cultural. Dated. And I, I was surprised to see him so prevalently featured, mm-hmm. you know, but he, he, he still was very much yep. calling Humphrey Bogart boss, you mm-hmm. know. Yes, yeah. boss. Um, but he does a great job, too. I mean, his, his songs are as iconic. Incredibly talented. Yeah. And like, you know, as time goes by, I mean, again, that's in movie lore, you know, his version of that song. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, I mean, I know it's not the same time period, but it reminded me of Breakfast of Tiffany's of uh, Moon River. Yeah. Just like, you know, certain songs are just owned by the movies mm-hmm. that, that they're... You hear it, like I hear that song by anybody, and I think Casablanca, yeah. and I'm singing that, you know, it's like, play it, Sam, you know, or Humphrey Bogart, like, you can play it for me. Titanic, Celine Dion. Yeah. <laughs> Titanic owns that song. It does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they can have it. <laughs> hey, My Heart Will Go On is a classic. <laughs> um. But yeah, this I, I've, I love this movie every time I see it. I, I enjoy it so much. Um, Ingrid Bergman's a great actor. She'd go on she to win multiple Oscars. She the, she is the most iconic part of this movie. I think when I was watching this, I was like, okay, there are scenes that are just like stills of her face, mm-hmm. and I recognize that as this is Casablanca. Yeah, and she's a very luminous actress. She's beautiful. Yeah, she is. And it's funny because we were watching an episode of Friends. Um, early episode of Friends where um, the, the guys on the list, they have their hall pass. They're trying to figure out which celebrities are on their hall pass. Mm-hmm. And I think Ross says Isabella Rossellini, which she's in the episode, but that's Ingrid Berman's daughter. Uh-huh. And so we watch those like back to back and it's like she looks just like her mom and mm-hmm. sounds like her. It's funny. Like there's a strong resemblance. Between At this point, two. does Isabella Rossellini have a grandchild? Well, and, that would and, be more age appropriate? <laughs> At the time of this episode, I would say that she's probably 40-ish. So this was probably 20. So she's 40. probably 60 now. Yeah, she's in her 60s now. Okay. Yeah. So a daughter. Yeah, definitely at least, if not granddaughters. Um, but yeah, I, I love this movie. I love the ending. Um, back to our original point, the the censors were heavily like influential and because they didn't have ratings. Then they had censors who I was basically... Say, this, this movie came across as TV PG, but... Yeah. That wasn't a thing. And so because Ingrid Bergman was technically married, even though they, she thought her husband was dead, they had to be very careful to not explicitly say that they, they were lovers in Paris. They'd and be banging. And they uh, had to keep it vague. If since, in the, um, since she kissed Humphrey, they didn't have her kiss Paul mm-hmm. uh, in, in it. They, you know, she can't t- kiss two dudes in the, uh, in the movie. I yeah. Guess, at the same time I noticed Really? That. Yep. So, huh. Well, she, he kissed her like on the cheek, mm-hmm. and she never said "I love you back" or something. You know, yeah. Whenever he was leaving for his first meeting or whatever, because I was I was wondering about that. I, I just you know, nineteen forty censors are weird. That was heavy, yeah. And especially World War Two, it's like they had that extra like 
influence of like, well, there's a war on, so we got to be extra careful what we show in movies and, you know, national morale and all that. And so Humphrey Bogart originally walked out into the bar, and when Sam's playing the songs, like, what the hell are you doing, Sam? They had to take that out because you can't say what the hell in a movie. Mm. So, what the heck, yeah. Sam? Yeah. And so instead he says, I thought I told you never to play that again. And then he sees Inger Bergman and yada, yada. Oh, God. Uh, I almost forgot to mention this, almost blew the whole damn thing. You guys ever seen a classic little movie, a uh, ski movie called Out Cold? I certainly have. Yeah. Zach yeah. Galifianakis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where this, uh, it, they kind of spoofed. Again, I'm using spoofed a lot mm-hmm. recently. Go I, with I, it. I I'm, I've been using lampooned quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, they, it was kind of a spoof on Casablanca where the name of their bar is Pedro or O'Hornies. And uh, what the, the main guy comes in whenever they're playing on the jukebox, like a Weezer song. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, man, I told you never to play that. Any- <laughs> oh, God, it's her. <laughs> they have, you know. Anyway, watching that, I was like, shit, man, I need to watch Out Cold again. <laughs> My favorite thing. Thoughts that everyone has watching this movie. reaction to this movie, anyone's effort. <laughs> Taylor Owens, who, God, we miss him. Dearly departed. We do. Uh, he'll be back someday. He's not dead yet. No. So. Um, no, he just left. He's mm-hmm. departed. He just went home. Yeah, he just went home. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he and I saw this, I think, in the old... Annex 7, maybe? Out cold. Shit, I don't know if it's that old of a movie, but uh, the best part of that movie is when, and it might be one of the outtakes, is where one, this guy's talking about how frozen his nuts are, and he calls them Mary-Kate and Ashley. <laughs> I think it's Zach Galifianakis, actually. I think he's like, geez, I'm freezing. Can I get a drink for Mary-Kate and Ashley? <laughs> and then I thought it was the most hilarious thing. That's the hardest I laughed the bear? entire uh, movie. And then... Uh, I, I, of course, got it on DVD. They bleeped their names at the end. And I was like, shit, did they have to do it because they were underage at the yeah. time? Maybe. Yeah. So I'm always still. out there for that elusive copy of Out Cold that doesn't bleep the names Larry, <laughs> Mary-Kate Nash. You can buy it in a double like package with the VHS twister that has Philip Seymour the balls. <laughs> he make, also said... Make a uh, night out of that. <laughs> My Hardy Boys are hurting, and that ain't no mystery. But I, I are they not underage? Oh, well, they were at the time. One was Mickey Rooney. He was like fourteen when those came out. Out cold? No. Um, does Galif- Zach Galifianakis have sex with a bear? Does he make out with a bear? Oh no, he gets his dick stuck in a, a hot tub. I remember that. And he, and he makes out with uh, Victoria Silstead. Wait, does the bear? I don't know. There's a, a pot on this. Yeah, we're, we're wandering That's, into a different podcast. No, this is exactly... Like this, this is Casablanca. <laughs> Cinema Vino is all about... Uh, we're, we're not about giving you like a actual good podcast about a film. <laughs> no, we're here like, to, to bring you tenuous connections to other movies. This is the portion of the, the podcast I enjoy is where we go off the fucking rails. <laughs> and if I want to talk about Out Cold during a Casablanca podcast. I am well going to As you it. should. <laughs> and Zach Galifianakis fucking a bear. All right, I guess I'm done. <laughs> um, I need to refresh that movie. I need to go back and rewatch it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to do Casablanca and then not cold together. Yeah, we need to podcast <laughs> on it. Maybe throw in a little classic, ski school. Classic one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Euro trip. Just make a whole full night out of it. Yeah. Um, but this has been another episode of Cinema Fino. Um, so we got Tarima Monastrell, good, medium-bodied red wine from Spain, about 15 bucks. Tarima. Uh, quite good. Um, I would recommend it. Tawanda. Yeah. And do it. Uh, this would be great with Mexican food, I think. I mean, Spanish food, obviously, but, like, 
you know, if you're having a decent uh, Mexican food, I, I would do that. I did have Mexican food for dinner. Yeah, this yeah. would be perfect. Pairs well. They forgot your taco. They forgot my taco. Who was it? On the border. <laughs> on the border? You Sorry, forgot. no, I'm not throwing them under the bus. You they've, owe they've, Sean a fucking taco. They've yeah. done me right so many times. <laughs> Cinema Vino is brought to you by On the Border. <laughs> um, do you want one less taco than you order? On the Border. <laughs> and that no, they're they're I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a couple. I think that's Wait, their official slogan. Yeah. What kind of taco was it? Uh, crunchy beef, which was my nickname in high school. <laughs> crunchy beef. Mine was Moroccan flan. <laughs> <laughs> which go well together, I think. <laughs> Two great tastes. Taste great, great together. together. <laughs> so uh, great movies, only drunker. Um, this is our pod on the highest rated yes. movie that we've ever done. <laughs> One of the all time uh, artistic classic movies. We talk about flan and Zach Galifianakis. Fucking yeah, bears. If this, is, if this is your only takeaway from Casablanca, go watch Out Cold. <laughs> <laughs> Do yourself a favor. <laughs> Travis, what's your review on Casablanca? Go, Go watch, watch Out Cold. <laughs> Playmate of the Year, Victoria Silfstead makes oh, an appearance. Nice. Which year? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, what's she up to? I don't know if she's nude in it, though. I don't. kind of don't think so. That's a jip. That's why it's not. That's why it's probably in the AFI Top 100s, because there's no titties. We got to end this episode. I think there are titties. <laughs> so, great movies, only drunker. Next time, Lawrence of Arabia. We're doing something just bold, and it's big, and it's four hours, and so, just like prom it's night. four hours? It Pack a lunch. God, I need to watch that. Yeah. Like, soon. <laughs> Start now, you'll be ready for that. Yeah, the... it might be a two-parter. <laughs> yes, what is uh, Lawrence of Arabia on? I don't remember. It's somewhere. I think it's on HBO. Because, okay. yeah, we streamed and it. Busan. It should be on Netflix still, I believe. Maybe. Yeah. It if y'all be. want to watch before and follow along. It might be on Tubi. Catch us. Next so. time. To be or not to be. So, uh, see you guys next time. Peace. Bye. Be sure to listen, rate, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our website is cinemavino.net, and reviews of these films can be found at toddwaffordmovies.com.